This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Very, very good day, everybody. Our date, the 26th of January, 2023. Our weather here today is absolutely fabulous. It's uh, nice and sunny, uh, not warm, but you know, certainly not cold. And the definition of the mountain is absolutely lovely. Let's uh, go about an hour west and find uh, what Rob's up to at Playa San Juan. Good morning to you, Rob, and uh, what sort of sunshine greets me when I get to your place today? Good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. It's absolutely beautiful down here this morning, Vince. Um, I've been out for a walk already, and when you're in the sunshine, it's really, really bright. When you're in the shade, it isn't too cold. You've got to wrap up on the night, of course. But, um, no, during the day, today, for example, is absolutely um, gorgeous. End of January, you can't expect any better. No, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? it, It's brilliant, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, well, we've enthused a little bit too much because obviously there will be people who are shivering and um, being rained upon and all sorts of nasty things happening. So without any further ado, let's go to uh, look at some of the money side of football because um, this is more relating to the Spanish scene uh, for this particular article that I picked up, uh, but I knew that it would be something that would be of interest to both of us. So while football fans think about goals and wins and winning, uh, Deloitte has published the Football Money League of 2023. So what is that about then, Rob? Well, this is the uh, De- Deloitte um is one of the major financial uh, companies in the world. They do reports like Forbes and things like that. are quite serious. They don't uh, mess about. And what they've done is they've worked. Well, they've calculated the revenues of um, all the different clubs that are involved in all the different leagues, and they've come up with like a league table. Um, I, I don't know why you say that Spain might be um, higher up on the list than the, no, the, no, no, the no, Premier League. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. What, what I'm saying is this particular article relates more to Spanish, doesn't it? Oh yes, because um, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad, my team, and uh, uh, various others, Sevilla, who are having a really bad season at the moment, but. Um, it's all to do with the revenue that the clubs get. Now, it's not to do with the profit. It's to do with what they actually take. And the top teams get the biggest payouts because they get, get big payouts from um, television rights and publicity rights and all that kind of thing. Um, but it doesn't really um, equate to their standing in the table. Now, um I, I was quite surprised actually when I looked down this um, because Leeds, the, uh, in the 20 top places, 10 of them are Premier League teams. Leeds, my team, is not in the top 10, but it comes in at number 18. I don't know where they got that from, but um, yeah, West Ham are in there as well. They, they took 85 million euros, um, more than they did prior to the pandemic um yeah so it's, it's a league table really basically of uh of the incomings the revenue that teams make but not the profit they make okay what about the top five then as according to what you've read well 
uh, it comes in what what I've read at least, Vince. Is number one is Man City, and we're talking about euros here. So it's seven hundred thirty-one million euros. Then Real Madrid, seven hundred thirteen point eight million. Liverpool, Man United, Paris Saint-Germain. Are you looking at the same table as I am? Uh, no, because basically I was going to just relate to the Spanish football, but it doesn't make any odds. All, all this is interesting. Ah, right. Oh, oh, Spanish football. Then we've got Real Madrid. We've got Barcelona. Um, Real Madrid, 713.8 million um, euros. Barcelona on 638.2. Then we go to uh, Atletico Madrid on 393.9. And and then it sort of goes down from there to... Uh, no. Real Sociedad. <laughs> um, OK, it, so it, I think what we're saying, though, uh, Rob, is that um, in a general sense, uh, both the Premier League and the La Liga are well represented in this particular table. Um, oh, of course, yeah, they're, they're, they're by far the biggest, um, the biggest participants, if you like, in this revenue system. The the, the only other teams that um, in in Europe are Paris Saint Germain, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, and uh, the two teams from Milan, Juventus, but. Yeah, the, the the main focus is is on the Premier League teams and the Spanish Liga teams, of course. So, of course, what we're really talking about, although it hasn't been mentioned up to now, is you can see quite clearly why the Americans want to get their hands on uh, the, the British clubs and the Spanish clubs. And uh, you can see quite clearly that there, uh, there are certain ways that they're trying to worm the way in. I mean, obviously, if you can buy a club, then you've got an influence. So we've got Manchester United and we've got Liverpool and we've got other inputs uh, now with Chelsea. And uh, obviously, um, the idea will be eventually that uh, we'll have um, the influence of America as it is in the women's game uh, will seep eventually into the Premier League and I would imagine possibly the uh, La Liga. But for the moment, they've got to do it very, very slowly. But you can see that there are certain ways that they are trying to influence the game already. Um, so, for my money... Uh, the, yeah, there the, the certainly are ways that um, they're trying to influence the game and um, they're getting away with it so far. I, I, personally, I don't think it's going to be... That slow a transition is happening already, isn't it? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you see, the danger uh, would have been when uh, we got Qatar given the World Cup. Because obviously, the uh, hidden hand of the Americans, are it's a lot deeper than people realise. Because if you are one of the two companies that own the world, uh, but you can't, at the moment, dominate football because obviously... It's quite a, a mix of different people, especially in the Premier League, the most important league in, in the world. Um, then, you know, don't be surprised if the Americans are looking at this table and making their plans as to where they'll go next. Obviously, um, in collusion, probably with the, the Arabs, I would imagine um, that that's in there somewhere. And I would imagine... Even things like Ronaldo going off to um, play in the Arab world uh, will be somewhere in the mix. I don't know about you, but, you know, I feel very suspicious about the whole thing. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, it, it, it is. If you look into the details and things like that, um, Cristiano Ronaldo going to uh, play in Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia, that was on the cards already. But he's not very popular there. He, he actually got he got decked. In his first match, he got black eye um, from, I can't remember, it was an ex-Barcelona player um, who was also playing over there. He's not going to have it easy. But yeah, when, when, when we go into these kind of details, Vince, um, it is all, it's just big business, isn't it? For, well, well for, of, course, of course it is. And of course, the world business does tend still to be around the Americas. And of course, if football is so big... Um, and we were talking, I think, last week 
um, uh, uh, about 1984 and George Orwell, and uh, we'd all be talking football um, and not watching what really is going on in the world. Um, okay. Exa- exactly, and, that, and uh, well, that's what we do, isn't it? But we also try to look at the world at the same time, don't we? Which is the whole point of why we do the podcast. Well, absolutely right, and you know, much as we can be accused of um, uh, maybe being a bit devious here and there, uh, it, we're only devious up to the point of understanding what the devious people are up to. Because, quite frankly, um, when you try and understand uh, the the football money league, as we've just been talking about. Uh, the biggest thing that doesn't come into it is probably, or at least doesn't come leaping off the page at you, is Sky Television. And Sky Television is what drives football, because if we didn't have Sky uh, and the other satellite uh, stations driving football, then obviously we wouldn't uh, be talking worldwide, would we? We'd be talking about just what goes on in either Spain or in England, uh, which are the two leagues we tend to primarily look at. Um, Indeed, because um, we're both English and uh, we've both got teams in the Premier League at the moment, and uh, we live in Spain, so those are two leagues that we uh, concentrate on generally. But of course, as, as football c- goes on throughout the world, doesn't it? And um, yeah, Sky, Sky TV um, was one of the reasons why the Premier League came into uh, being. I think in in the early nineteen nineties. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah. Okay, Rob, well, look, we've got got quite a bit to talk about today, so uh, let me move to uh, something a little different. It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Okay, now uh, we have Frank Lampard uh, sacked by Everton. Uh, Monday, uh, January the 23rd, a dismal first half of the season. The club found itself and does find itself now languishing just above the relegation zone. Their 19th and uh, Frank Lampard, now 44, by the way, uh, former England star, has been at uh, Goodison Park after he replaced Rafa Benitez. Now, um, having previously been in charge at Chelsea, um Lampard performed a small miracle as he steered the Toffees to safety last season when they'd looked as if they were going to go down to the championship. Everton have picked up only one point since the restart after the World Cup, a draw against um, Manchester City, which is weird when you think about it. Um, They lost to Manchester United in the FA Cup and after the 2-0 defeat at West Ham last Saturday, uh, Lampard, uh, obviously, both of us said the same, that he was going to go. Um, He had a meeting with the club's majority shareholder, Farhad Marshiri, a good scouser, and of course, uh, Chairman Bill Kenwright. Kevin Thelwell, the club's director of football, was also present and it was decided to let the manager go. Now, let's talk a little bit more about... um, Sorry about this, I've got my phone coming in. Um, Yeah, sorry about that. That's um, a good friend of mine and I've got to turn that down. Beg your pardon about that. Um, No problem. Okay, so uh, the trouble really is that it's a problem with Everton. Um, It's nice that that they can uh, blame quickly Frank Lampard. But, you see, they they treated Benitez in a similar fashion. So, um, they say still waters run deep. um, Manchester United, if you can draw against Manchester City, sorry, um, then, you know, you've obviously got players that can play. But um, there's something, I think, intrinsically not right within the club. They had the chance to stay afloat with Rafa Benitez, Um, And, of course, you then had the uh, vitriol from people from the blue side of um, Merseyside forgetting completely of the credentials of a man like Rafa Benitez. And I think also people are forgetting the credentials of a man like Frank Lampard. Now, just because he was a great player doesn't give you a prerequisite to be a great manager. 
But I no. do think that he's a he, he's a, a very honest broker. He's like Steven Gerrard. I think the trouble is the boy uh, or the manager comes in um, with the football reputation. And, of course, you then have all sorts of different things going on. Now, if you take the Premier League, for example, um, look at the money that's being spent in so many other parts of the league. Everton aren't investing, or they haven't been investing, but they have spent money. So um, I think what we're probably learning is it doesn't matter how good a player's career has been, and it doesn't really matter how much a, a, a club can invest it does boil down eventually to the money and it does eventually boil down to the team that are there to coach and try and get the team uh, and its mix correct. Um, we're talking about a great original uh, club here. Uh, it's got to bounce back because it's a great club. And, um, you know, I'm, as a Liverpool supporter, I'm always happy if we're one point ahead of Everton. I'm always happy for Everton to do well. Um, very sad to see Frank Lampard go because I don't think that it's just the manager. What do you think? No, uh, I, I um, basically agree with what you're saying, Vince. But at the moment, Everton are in a really bad position. We're half a, halfway through the season. They're second to bottom. So they are in a relegation position at the moment. As you said, they've got one point out of a possible 15. Um and they parted ways with Frank Lampard. Um, and uh, we both want Frank Lampard to do well, don't we? Because he, he was an excellent footballer. He's a very honest bloke. Um, but he hasn't picked the teams that he manages particularly well, I don't think. I mean, he took... Uh, he was Derby County's manager. And he took them from six down in the championship down to about... 10th or something like that then he went to um, Chelsea uh, we, we used to talk about uh, Frank Lampard's Chelsea didn't we he took them further down the table than they used to be he managed to save Everton at the last minute last season um, but he just can't get them to play this year and th there's Lots and lots of background disturbances in the Everton uh, football club in general, um, which you know more about than I do. But um, they parted ways, in, and it's similar to what you said about Steven Gerrard. Uh, when we were talking about Steven Gerrard a couple of weeks ago, when he got offered the uh, Polish, Polish national team manager's uh, position, and you said, and quite rightly, I think, uh, that he might be better off learning a bit by being under a more experienced manager, a more experienced coach. They're both brilliant footballers. Uh, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard, brilliant footballers, but they did, did they have the managership qualities? Um, I think they could develop them. I'd, I'd like to see them both do well. I'm sure you would as well. Well, I'll tell you, somebody's going to twig to something one of these days. There's going to be a consortium that can say something like, look at Roy Hodgson, for example. Now, wouldn't it be a great idea for Roy Hodgson to mentor somebody like Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard? Because if they came in in tandem, and obviously, um, the, you, you, I mean, you've got to get the right social mix in it and, and the way to work together. So it, it would have to be very, very carefully managed this. But, I mean, somebody like Roy Hodgson has got so much to um, offer. Uh, but, of, but, of course, he's about 77, I think, now. Um, but both of these two young managers that we've been talking about would benefit from his experience. Now, could it work? Then, you know, if it was me, I think if I was Roy Hodgson and I still wanted to do something, I might even offer um, courses to young managers, things to look out for. You know, I don't know. Just an idea. I, I, I think that's a very good idea, Vince, actually. Um, and as we said, old Roy Hodgson, he's retired from actually managing and he is in his late 70s now. But I'm sure that he would be um, quite prepared to pass on the knowledge he's got because he he, he was very successful um, to younger 
up and coming managers. I, I think that's a very good, a very good idea actually. Yeah. Because not all players go into management, do they? It's, it's a very difficult job. Um, I wouldn't like to do it. Um, but, yes, to, to gain some experience, uh, the young managers, up-and-coming ones, like uh, Lampard and Gerrard, would really benefit, I think, from um, yeah, from learning from somebody with a world of experience. Yeah. OK, uh, let's see... Now we're talking white card. And a white card was brandished for the first time in a professional football match. This happened in Portugal on Saturday with the country's football association rolling out a series of new initiatives. Fans have accustomed to yellow card and red cards being shown to punish foul play. But a white card was introduced in the nation to provide immediate recognition of positive acts during matches. The first white card was shown to medical teams from Sporting Lisbon and Benfica after staff came to the aid of someone who fell unwell on the bench during a women's cup match. You couldn't write this, honestly, if it was in the Beano or the Dandy. It's bonkers. I don't know about you, um, but, you know, uh, these guys, that the, the, the medical people are fantastic. They don't need a card. They come on and they perform. And if anybody's got any sense, they'll already show great respect to them. But for a referee to elevate a white card... This has got to come from somebody who uh, obviously is uh, going to try and uh, push ladies' football even greater into the realms of men's football. A white card. What are we going to? We'll next. We'll we'll have a um, an LGBTQ card. I think that'll be the next one on the lines. We'll have that com- oh, coming in. Or oh, oh, a black card if you've done something bad. <laughs> Well, I mean, re- really, Rob, it's got to be the yeah, but, but why, why, why is it a white card and not a black card? That's one of the big questions being asked. Is if they've done something good, why is it a white card? It's not a black card. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, th- this is entirely to do with Portuguese football, Vince. It's, uh, ah, ah, no, that's, that's, that's where they've been able to try and push it on. I can't see anybody in Portugal sitting down having a cup of coffee going, oh, I tell you what will be a good idea. Let's have a white card so that when somebody does something good, oh, look, there's a little boy that's given a sweet to his mate in the crowd. Quick, <laughs> zoom on. Sky TV, camera nine, zoom in on the sweet being shared. I mean, come on, it's balmy. Absolutely it, balmy. It, it is it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? To be honest, Vince, it is absolutely balmy. Um, but they've tried it out. And uh, as you said, they tried it out. It, it was a woman's... Um, it was a Portuguese cup match between two women's teams. And apparently it was, it, it was a spectator who um, fell ill. And I imagine you've been at matches. I've been at a couple of matches where somebody in the crowd has fallen ill and the, the match stops and everybody is sort of... We're, well, we're, everybody in the whole crowd is worrying about what's go, what might be going on. But the medics get there and they do the best they can and they... Well, that's what they're there to do. Um, but it, it's a horrible um, situation when, when you're in the crowd and, and somebody, in the, somebody else... Um, falls ill but this waving of a white card um, it, 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 well it makes no sense at all because as you know you've, you've actually said just then yourself when the situation is resolved all of the crowd just applaud naturally because they're, they're, they're happy that the situation has been sorted out now waving a little bit of card about um, it, it Makes no sense to me. Well, what it it reminds me of is working in a primary school and uh, sticking a yellow star on a little child's book to show that they've done good work. I mean, it's also also bonkers. Listen, Rob. Yeah, uh, uh, when when the act comes on, you applaud. You hold up a sign that says applaud. Um, We all applaud the medics. 
I'm going to move on because quite honestly, we're just, um, I think we've made our minds up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so some of the things that um, they're trying to bring in now. So we're going to go straight down to referees uh, to communicate VAR decisions. That's on the page that I've sent to you. Um, and there's been growing frustration at the lack of communication around VAR decisions to fans. A 12-month trial around stadium communication at FIFA events will begin at the Club World Cup, which take place yeah. from the 1st to the 11th of February. And if successful move on to the men's under 20 world cup in indonesia and then the women's world cup in australia and new zealand and it's still to be decided whether the communication in morocco will be in french english or arabic a system where the decisions were explained more clearly to those watching at home and inside stadiums would follow the cricket and national football league you see even that is bonkers because quite honestly if you've got the majority of the world that uses football use English. Sorry, that's what we do. Now, to, to even uh, mention that they're thinking of using Arabic tells you that there's other forces involved in this. There's other influences. Um, you know, uh, even at the Olympic Games, uh, they don't have a problem. They just go straight to English. Let's go to this fact, though, that they are going to communicate VAR decisions. Now, why does it take um, podcasts like ours, TV shows, um, radio discussion programs uh, to know the obvious? If you don't communicate your VAR decisions, then you've obviously been maybe, um, you've got to have a reason for that. It could well be uh, associated with betting could well be associated with all sorts of things. But put that seed of doubt to bed by letting us hear what the idiotic decisions have actually, uh, how they've been implemented. When the whole world can see something that is either A offside or B not offside, or the ball out of play or not out of play, I don't know, what, I don't know how you've got away with it for so long, quite honestly. Um, FIFA... Um, absolutely bonkers. Your comments, please, Rob. I think it's totally ridiculous, Vince, but um, we, we've been speaking about for a long time, as of many other people, about the fact that the referees and the VAR system should be more transparent and we should know what's actually going on. But um, when you get to talking um, about football in, in Arabic, for example, English is the accepted international language of football. Um, as you know, I, I've trained um, a lot of referees, a lot of Spanish referees, um, because even at Segunda Bear level, they've got to have a certain level of English because that's the language they're communicating. And as you f move further up, then it, it, that is the international language of communication. And all the players should understand enough and the referees need to communicate on the pitch with the players who are actually playing the match um, in English, which is the universal language as far as sport goes, as far as football goes at least. But um, this idea of um, ha them being able to, uh, the, well, having to um, tell us what decisions they've made and how they made them and, and all that kind of thing is something that we've been talking about for ages and I think it's a good idea. Well, of course it's a good idea, but the point is, if rugby has had it available to Rugby League and Rugby Union uh, for years now and football hasn't, then obviously there's got to be a big reason. And my reasoning is quite clear. Uh, somebody is fiddling because, quite frankly, when we see an incident, everybody, including the pundits, are astonished by yep. the decisions that are rolled out from FIFA and VAR. Um, I mean, if it was sponsored by Specsavers, even then it would become ridiculous. The whole, <laughs> no, the whole, the whole thing's bonkers, isn't it? Abs uh, it, it, it's completely mad, isn't it, Vince? I mean, especially as you just said, when you get um, the pundits, like most of them are ex-players, 
and they're actually there watching the match and they can see all the replays like we can and they come to the same decision as the rest of us do but VAR comes to a different decision um, yeah it, it is ridiculous one, one of the things that uh, is different I think between uh, the Premier League and this, uh, La Liga in Spain is when there's a televised match and it goes to a VAR decision they split the screen and you've got the players on the left hand side of the screen and then you've got the referee at the top and then you've got the VAR people you've got the sorry can, about that can... sorry Rob right carry on right it, well in that it, yeah so they split the screen so you can see the players on the left hand side on the pitch then you've got the referee at the top and you can see that he's speaking to the people in the VAR room who are on the bottom right of the screen and you can actually see them watching the replays. So it, um, although they don't actually speak to anybody, or to us, the, the, the public, watching public, you can actually see who's doing it and what they're actually going through, the process they're going through to, to come to these decisions. And they still come to wrong ones, let's face it, but at least you can see who they are and at least you, you know that there's something going on. It's, just, it's not just somebody pressing a random button or, or cheating, which is uh, the worst possible thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, well, it's the obvious one. Money's at the root of practically all evil. OK, Rob, stand by. Um... <laughs> We have a new feature. Now, many people will be talking about football and they'll be listening and thinking, um, oh, I don't know where that club is and what it's all about. So the first of our find out about the club features uh, Crystal Palace. Okay, over to you, Rob. Right, Vince. Well, um, it was, well, this is one of my ideas, wasn't it? To actually it uh, bring this in. Idea. So let's see how it goes. Yep, your idea, Rob. So Crystal Palace off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I often get asked um, about English teams and where they're from. And the other day, I was asked about uh, Crystal Palace when they uh, drew nil nil against uh, Newcastle. And I thought I'd look them up. And it's it's a very, very um, well-established team. We all know about uh, Crystal Palace. If you're English, we know they're from London, don't we, Vince? A lot of the listeners and a lot of my Spanish friends don't know actually where they're from. Because it's not obvious by their name, but Crystal Palace are from South London. And... They were originally formed in 1861, which um, leads to claims that they, they're the oldest foot, professional football club in the world. But they aren't, because they weren't professional until as recently as 1905, um, which is a very long time ago as well. But the, the origins of the club. There was a, an exhibition in London. It was called a Great Exhibition in, in 1851, and they built this uh, massive building. A, crystal, um, a, crystal, a crystal palace, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's why they called it the Crystal Palace because it was yeah, it was 564 <laughs> meters in length and, and 39 meters in height, and it was basically made out of um, cast iron and. Um, glass sheets which they just invented how to how to make hardened glass so it wouldn't collapse and things like that but after the uh, this great exhibition was finished they moved the whole building believe it or not like they used to do in those kind of days they moved the whole building to a place in south london and that is where uh, they put sport fields outside it was like a major exhibition center um, really top-notch, uh, really, by in those, in those days' standards, which is probably better than it is today. And that is where Crystal Palace Football Club was first found. And they, they in the early part of uh, football history, um, that they were part of um, where the, where the um, 
first football rules, not the, not the football league rules, but they, they were one of the signees when it came to signing the Association of Football um, Club thing in 1863. They, they completed the first ever World uh, FA Cup, which was 1871, um, and they played the Royal Engineers in the semi-final. Now, you can imagine a team called the Royal Engineers these days. It, it's more like rugby, isn't it, that? Well, it's, it's going it's, back it's, to it's, right it's, those days. When, 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 he was, when, when the fir- football first had rules, where you couldn't pick the ball up, I mean, that's how, ba- how far back they go. Don't forget the Arsenal team are called the Gunners, so don't be too surprised by what you've just read. Um, oh, no, no, no. The, the, it all continues, doesn't it, Vince? That's the interesting thing, I think, about the... If you look back into the football history, it, it continues. Um, Crystal Palace, actually, they, they, they were the first team. Um, they invited Real Madrid over to play a friendly with them in 1962. And it was the De and uh, Frank Puskas era. And it was two weeks before uh, Real Madrid had played the... European Cup final against Benfica and it was the first time that Real Madrid had actually played in England um, and it well, it ended up 4-3 to Real Madrid but um, Palace got three against them uh, amazing history they've got Vince and uh, I'm sure lots of clubs, well every club has got a lot of history behind it but Crystal Palace um well, there you go. A Potter's History of Crystal Palace. <laughs> OK. Rob, look, uh, we've got stacks, really, to try and get through, including, I'll just mention in passing, that your former Leeds manager, who used to squat on the bucket, um, Bielsa, is in the frame for the Everton job. So I just thought, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you'd like to know that. Um, oh, no, I, 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 I knew that Marcel was in the frame. Um, I don't think he'll take it, though. We'll have to say that. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, Vince. <laughs> and the uh, current Everton manager, uh, owner, sorry, uh, Moshiri, is telling us that Everton is not for sale. So, without any further ado, because basically of pressures of time, we're going to look at uh, La Liga. Let's play the jingle. Here we go. La Liga. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Okay, Rob, off you go then. Uh, tell us what's been happening in Spain. Right, Vince. Um, well, at the moment, La Liga is continuing. Um, well, uh, as it is in the Premier League, but this midweek we've had um, the, the Copa del Rey um, quarterfinals. So last night, Barcelona beat my team, Real Sociedad, one nil. They go through. Osasuna from Pamplona beat Sevilla, who are in a really dreadful season, 2-1. Tonight we've got um, Valencia against uh, Athletic Bilbao. And also tonight we've got Real Madrid in, against Atletico Madrid um, in the quarterfinals. One of the teams has to go through because there's no replays. Um, as far as the league goes, it's pretty much the same as what we talked about last week because uh, there's only been one match it played. However, Elche, the local team to where I come from, or where I live at the moment at least, um, they picked up a second draw in the row. So now they're at the bottom with 18 matches played in six points, uh, minus 24 goal difference. Um, going up from that 19th, Cadiz, Violet, uh, etc etc Sevilla have managed to get themselves out of the relegation um, zone at the moment because when we come to the Premier League you see how tight it is at the bottom it's very tight at the bottom in uh, La Liga as well OK, uh, thank you for that Rob uh, just a cu- couple of headlines Tottenham have signed Dan Juma on loan from Villarreal 
Uh, We've also got uh, Italy and uh, Spain will face each other in the Nations League semi-finals. Now, at the moment, it's very, very difficult to sort of keep a tab on everything that's going on. We talk about the Carabao Cup, but of course, I think that's now the EFL, isn't it, or something like that? I mean, it just... um, Well, yeah, it's it's, it's the old League Cup, Vince, but they, they... Kept changing the name. It was called the Milk Cup for a few seasons, wasn't it? And, and then they they keep changing the name. But basically, it's the English Football League Cup. Okay, uh, uh, but but the relevant yeah. bit to what what I wanted to mention was the fact that Newcastle have got the slight advantage after the first leg against Southampton. Oh, I uh, think that was just one goal in it. And uh, Manchester United look as if they'll easily get to the. Final, they're three 0 up against Man uh, against Nottingham Forest after last night. Uh, they did. Yeah. They looked three goals better. No, no, they didn't. No, I'm telling a lie. Actually, um, I really just think the one thing that Nottingham Forest didn't have is that one final superb effort on goal. You know, I thought they played quite well actually. To be fair, um, but uh, uh, there are so many things going on that uh, your head sort of spins. I think what we'd better yeah. do to get everything in... I, 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 don't, I don't think, personally, Vince, I don't think it's worth Southampton going up to Newcastle um, because they're not going to get anything there. So, uh, St Mary's was sold out and they still lost. Um, yeah, the Forest Man U... Well, I lost... Forest is- I saw... got a goal when it was 2-1, then it would have been a different story. But Man U won it with, uh, in 90-plus with 3-0. So I, th- I think that's more or less uh, done and dusted, I would say. Well, well, I don't I'm... think the Saints will do anything at Newcastle. St. James's Park sold out on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. Um, you're, fighting, you're, you're uphill battle, aren't you, all the way? Um, but we'll have to say next week. OK, I do agree with you, but Southampton are... Uh, I thought they gave a good run for the money against Newcastle. I think they were unlucky. Um, so, who knows? Uh, this is a very, yeah, very, yeah, very strange... Unlucky, but... But very, very strange year. Now, uh, with only, uh, let's see, how long have we got to go? We've got another 20 minutes. I want to look ahead to round four of the FA Cup. Uh, we'll put together our predictions on this one. Um, and then we'll, if we have any time left, we'll review what we saw in the Premier League. Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley. For anybody from Spain... Um, that doesn't know Accrington. It's up in the northwest of England and it gets very chilly. And Leeds, a few of their players have got to wear gloves as it is. So um, give me your prediction for that one, please. Uh, we've got to win this one, haven't we, Vince? Uh, Leeds have got to win it. Um, but Accrington and Stanley, as you say, Accrington and Stanley, um, are one of the oldest teams as well, aren't they? They they are an extremely um, old team, well, old team, but they aren't very good these days. Score um, prediction, please. Uh, nil two to Leeds. Okay, nil four to Leeds for me. Um, nil four. <laughs> Walsall take on Leicester. That's a lot like Midlands derby, isn't it? But um, and Leicester have got. Virtually nothing. I, I think this could go to a draw. Um, I'm not sure the replays or is it uh, on the day? I think it's penalties. I think it's penalties on this uh, on this round. Right. In that case, I'll give it to uh, Leicester. But I don't think they'll win it in 90 minutes. I think it'll be a draw after 90, and then extra time uh, penalties. by rounds? I think Leicester will win it at the end of the day, but I don't think they'll get it in 90. Uh, nil three for me. Uh, so Blackburn take on Birmingham. Birmingham. Oh, Blackburn, Birmingham. It's got to be Black. It's got to be Blackburn, Vince. Because um, they're playing at home. Yeah. So, I'll say Blackburn. I'll say two one. Two nil for me. Uh, Bristol City 
are playing West Bromwich Albion. That's got to be the baggies from the events. Um, playing away from home makes a difference to them, I don't think. Um, I'd say uh, nil two to uh, West Brom. Okay, I've gone one two because Bristol are having a good season. So um, Flame are playing Sunderland. It's got to be full am, Vince. Uh, 2-0. 2-0 for me. We're exactly the same. Yep. Ipswich play Burnley. Burnley. Um, it's a cup match, so there's nothing guaranteed. I would say this would also be a draw after 90. Um, but if it goes further than that, which it probably will do, um, I would say that Burnley will win it. Ipswich 1, Burnley 3 for me. Yep. <laughs> Luton, Grimsby. Uh, well, that's a sort of derby as well, isn't it, from two of the or- most horrible places that you can think of. Um, but Gr- ah, Grimsby don't going to win anything, are they? He's going he's gonna to be Lincoln, I would say. Uh, li- 0-1 to Lincoln. Okay, for Luton, by the way, they're playing, not Lincoln. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, Luton. All right, it's even worse, isn't it? Luton, what a horrible place that must be. Um, Yeah, uh, I I guess I'll put Grimsby first. I'll go 2-0 to Grimsby. Okay, I've gone 2-2. Penalties uh, will go to Luton. Okay, because I haven't got a clue on that one, by the way. I don't know the form of no, 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 either. No, neither I. I just, I just, no. <laughs> okay, Sheffield Wednesday versus Fleetwood. Now, Sheffield Wednesday are a team with a lot of history. Um, and they're playing at home. I'll go I'll, 3 1 to Sheffield Wednesday. Okay, I've gone 2 0 Sheffield Wednesday. Southampton are playing Blackpool. No, Saints have got. It's a long way from Blackpool to uh, Southampton, um, and the Saints have got to get a win somewhere, aren't they? So I'll I'll, I'll put it down as a two-one to Southampton, Vince. Two-one, exactly the same score for me. <laughs> Preston North End are playing Spurs. Uh, again, Preston North End, one of the original teams, um, but they're not having a good time at the moment. I will put this down as a 1-1 after 90 minutes. If you go to extra time, I'll put it down to Spurs to actually win the match. OK, um, I've got Preston 1, Spurs 5. <laughs> Manchester United against Reading. Well, Reading, obviously it's Reading, isn't it? I'll, I'll put it down as a, a nil five to Reading on this one, Vince. Nil five to Reading. <laughs> if if I if I had my if my dreams came true, but uh, well, uh, uh, but yeah, he's he's going to be a man you, isn't it? I would say uh, score two all after full t- after ninety minutes. Man United to win it. In extra time or on pens. Manchester United 5, Reading 0 for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton versus Liverpool. Now, that is a good one, isn't it? Um, that is a very good one. It's really difficult to uh, give a call on this, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to go for Brighton on this, Vince. Um, I think Brighton will do it. Uh, three. I think it'll be a good match. I think it'll be three two to Brighton. Okay, I say Brighton two, Liverpool nil. From what I saw against, um, uh, from what I saw in the Premier League fixture, Stoke play Stevenage. Again, the well, Stoke City traditional team. I've got no idea about Stevenage. I, I don't even know where it is. So um, it's got to be Stoke for me. Two nil. 1-0 for me. Um, then we go to Wrexham. Now, this is the fairy tale uh, down in the National League. This is the first 
important league after the football leagues, uh, which of course goes Premier League, Championship, Division 1, Division 2, then the National League. Two American uh, media stars have bought the club and they lie almost top of the table at the moment. I think they might just have shaded and gone into top. They play Sheffield United. Uh, I'm going to give you my prediction, 1-3. I think uh, Wrexham will go out, but they've had a great run. Your prediction, please. Um, they're playing Sheffield United at home. No, Sheffield at home, yeah? No, Wrexham are at home. Oh, Wrexham are at home. Uh, oh, I can't see them winning either, Vince, but uh, as you mentioned, they, they, yeah, they're... They're a well-known team, and they've got these two um, American actors uh, promoting them. Uh, but I can't see them winning. I'd say, yeah, it's got to be Sheffield United. It, it's going to be one too. Okay, and Derby, Derby County, uh, they play West Ham. I think Derby County might do this, to be honest, Vince. Um, they're a proud club. And they're playing at home, and uh, West Ham are not going to be not going to be welcome at all. I think it'll be two uh, two nil to uh, Derby County. Okay, uh, now with what little time we have left, which um, I'm looking now, we've got ten minutes left to review what what happened in the Premier League last week. So um, Arsenal beat Manchester United three two. Uh, you thought they'd win 2-1, I thought they'd draw, so you got that one right. Arsenal-Manchester United. Now, it's all very well getting it right, but it was almost like a fiddled goal at the end again. I mean, the VAR stuff is ridiculous. You know, to have somebody standing on the line, um, just amazing. Anyway, uh, there's the score and your thoughts on that one. Well, uh, I think the same way that you did, Vince. I actually got uh, the, the result right. But uh, it wasn't fair and square, I don't think. No. Uh, I... Yeah, the the, the whole VR, VR system has to be sorted out. Um, and this was another example of where it, it influenced the result in a major match. Well, look, it's all very well uh, trying to beat around the bush with this. Uh, you've got um, a team... Going for the championship or the you know the premiership, um, it, it wouldn't have mattered who they were playing. The way the VAR operates, um, you could have had a lady with a handbag um, knocking it in, and they uh, would have allowed it. You know, I mean, it's just nonsense what we're seeing. Um, Brentford yep. played Bournemouth. Now I thought they'd win about four nil. It was only two nil. You got two nil exactly right there. So well done. Um, but we won't. Uh, yep. We won't stay with that one because the one that I want to discuss next is Brighton played Liverpool. And I thought we'd get a draw. You thought it'd be 2-1. 3-0. We were awful that day. It really didn't look like pe- people playing for Liverpool didn't want to play. Uh, the worst offender for me is Salah. To get 354,000... For, for or three forty-five, is it uh, for d- doing what he did during that game is nonsensical, and then of course he was also seen having um, a meal with the owners of PSG a couple of days after that. So um, mysterious times. Your thoughts on that? I think you'd be better getting rid of him to PSG. To be honest, Vince, uh, since uh, since Sadio Mane went, uh, Mo Salah basically he's done nothing, has he? Um, it's quite sad to watch, actually. Uh, and Liverpool uh, put in, I think, yeah, probably the worst performance I've seen for years. Um, but yeah, Salah, I, I think, yeah, go to PSG. Have a, have a meal with the chairman of PSG and, and, and just go there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. That was the one one week ago. By the way, uh, we'll look at the Liverpool story for uh, the games just gone by. Nil nil against Chelsea. Um, I got... got that spot on uh, a mid-table clash, as I called it last week. Nobody's interested in it, um, and it was a nil nil. I predicted nil nil. And strangely enough, Robbie Savage. Um, 
the pundit on 606 on uh, 5 Live, the ex-player, he came out with exactly the same phrase as I did prior to he did. Um, because it, it, it's not original. It's like mid-table, clash, who cares? Nil-nil. And that's what it was. You got it down as a 1-1. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, while you're gloating, let me go to Palace. <laughs> gloating? Palace nil, Newcastle nil. I saw it as a 1-1. You saw that one as a 2-1. So you didn't get that one right, did you? No, I didn't, I didn't get many of them right, to be honest, Vince. Um, <laughs> neither did, neither <laughs> I'm did I. I'm gloating because, because Leeds are in a really bad position. I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I, I, I got that one right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And when you actually look at the Premier League table at the moment, as we stand at the moment, the difference between the bottom place club uh, and I think it's number four, up to going up to 14th place, there's only two points difference between the lot of them. And although we're only halfway through the season, um, literally just halfway through the season, Two or three wins on the bounce could get you well out of the situation. Um, you lose two or three on the bounce and you're right in the relegation zone. Now, that is what Leeds want to avoid and everybody else who's in that position wants to avoid, but uh, Leeds want to avoid it. <laughs> well, we know it's that... Very, it's very interesting. It's, it's so tight down at the bottom. We know that Manchester City... Um, are the richest club in the world, apparently, at the moment. Um, but is it worth, really, £1.6 million per week uh, for somebody like Haaland when he scores his fourth hat-trick in the Premier League? Well, I, personally, I would say, well, I think we agree on this, but the, the whole wage uh, situation is completely... Um, absurd, but there's no way I'd have. No, no. If I if I had Haaland, um, I'd sell him straight away. Um, which Everton should have done with that uh, scratcher called Gordon. Yeah, they were they were offered fifty million for him, and they hung on to him, and he's useless. He doesn't do anything. At, he can't. He 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 doesn't know where he is. And they should have got rid of 50 million when they were offered it, but they didn't take it, so there you go. Um, you see, the thing is, we're talking um, ridiculous money. We're playing, really, a game of lottery, of a game of um, even uh, Monopoly. Um, you know, it's, it's Monopoly at the moment with um, the, the likes of Man City and, you know, the top clubs. It's ridiculous. I mean... I shouldn't say this really. I, I am I'm not happy with Liverpool being mid table, but if it's going to bring a bit of sanity back to the game of football, um, then Man uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, described as mid table clubs, on what they spend, is really um, an indictment on the way the whole thing is being run. I really. <laughs> You know, it, 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 it is Vince. I mean, they are mid-table. I mean, Liverpool in ninth and Chelsea in tenth. I mean, you can't get much more mid-table than that, rather than going down into the bottom half, can you? Yeah, but you see, to try and be, um, should we say, objective about this, you know, I do try and give a, an objective appraisal of what I think the score will be, and I think they'll will lose at Brighton. I don't want to say that, but I think Brighton are playing better football. And I think that um, when we talk about the money that is being involved in Liverpool's behind the scenes, trying to get hold of Bellingham, for example, um, you know, we're talking ridiculous money. But my my question was about Haaland, 1.6 million per week. Uh, Yes, he can justify by scoring three goals. Are you honestly telling me that it's worth that? Uh, or is it really a question of trying to bring down the whole um, system by trying to overpay a few players and put them out of business? I don't know. Um, I, 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 I didn't know he was on 1.6 million a week. Now that that is obscene, Vince, isn't it? that that is um, it, 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 well t- totally obscene as far as I'm concerned um, because it, one person, whatever he does or whatever she does, 
can't be worth that much, especially well, when... for just kicking a kicking a ball is the back of a net from time to time. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Absolutely right. I'm glad you see it like I do because when we're talking about people not having food um, and all the other things going on, it just tells me there is more to everything that's going on than just the football. Rob, thank you very much for your company once again. Look forward to next week. My pleasure, always, Vince.